Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello! Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's Food for Thought. This is the podcast that's on a mission to equip you all with the evidence-based advice that you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. You pick and choose what you consume, what you listen to, and apply it in a way that works for you because we are all unique. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, registered nutritionist, Sunday Times best-selling author and founder of the Harley Street Clinic Retrition, and of course, the evidence-based supplements company Retrition Plus. In each of these episodes, we have incredible guests who are at the forefront of their fields, who will be giving us the trusted advice, that's what we all need, and answering your burning questions, which, let's be honest, in nutrition, the questions seem to be never-ending these days. Now, this series combines some of the many highlights over the years, and I hope will continue to support your nutrition and well-being. Whether we like it or not, our mind is constantly occupied by thoughts, gosh I know mine is, and it impacts how we feel and the choices that we then make. So after the last couple of years especially, I think it's more important than ever that we we check in on our loved ones, but also checking in on ourselves. I think all too often we can forget the importance of looking after our own well-being because if we do, for instance, we'll be able to help others even more so. So this week's Food for Thought shares invaluable tips from some incredible guests on how to support your mental health, to optimise your days and how to find the best version of yourself. Let's begin today's episode with Dr. Emma Hepburn. She's wonderful and we really do go into self-belief here, lifestyle tips, kindness, the importance of deep breathing, how to really use social media and technology, I think, to our advantage and of course asking for help. Sometimes day to day, the smallest things that we do, the, the daily things, I guess, good or bad, however we want to describe it, that have the biggest influence over us, don't they? It doesn't have to be something catastrophic. Oh, absolutely. I mean, obviously, catastrophic things can have a a negative impact. But in terms of improving your mental health, sometimes we think it's the big things that we need to do, big overhauls in our life. But actually, it's the small daily things, often tiny things that can improve our mental health that we really need to focus on. Mm, Yeah, completely. I, I I guess it's being kind to ourselves in a way, because how do you even start acknowledging these what's and how's every day we feel and why's and changes 
that we should perhaps be navigating through because I think change can be one of the most terrifying things as a human being. I say it all the time in the Retrition Clinic that we don't like change, do we, as humans? Oh, absolutely. Our brains find change stressful, which is probably why the last year has been so stressful. And therefore, it goes along with its habitual ways, which are much easier and create less effort for your brain. So change can be overwhelming, particularly big change. And I think you've tapped into something there about kindness. Sometimes it's not Mm. necessarily change in behaviour. Sometimes it is about how we speak to ourselves or how we focus on ourselves. Kindness has got lots of evidence or compassion has lots of evidence that it can improve mental health. I grew up um, with a focus of getting into the music industry. One of the biggest things that I think aided me at the time I didn't know was deep breathing because, Mm -hmm. you know, diaphragmatic breathing as a soprano is, is huge and... I think that when we do that, do correct me if I'm wrong, we are tapping into our parasympathetic nervous system by engaging in breathing because that's something everyone can do. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. And it's actually a really, really efficient way to engage that system. What happens when our threat system is engaged, our breathing increases, our body's attempt to get more energy in, trying to get you going, trying to get more oxygen in to kind of get all those body systems active and ready. And when and our breathing gets really quick and rapid. And what you need to do is really slow it down mm. and relax the system. And that is, it's, I think we think of breathing as so simple and so easy that surely this simple thing can't actually have an effect. And I actually think as a psychologist, I've also been guilty of that thinking, I can't tell people to breathe, you know, what are they going to think about it? (laughs) But the further on I've got in my career, the more I use that and kind of, and and I've seen how powerful it can be for people. And it's also really good because it's something you can do at any point. You can sit in a bus and do it. You can do it in a a cafe. You can do it anywhere. It's not something people are even going to be aware you're doing. So really nice technique to use. How important would you say self-belief is? Because if you struggle with confidence, um, I don't know how to phrase it. How, how can we, I don't know, bolster this in a positive way and get improvement there? And perhaps self-belief is something if we have better self-belief, we can manage situations in a better way? Yeah, I think, I think it kind of depends what we mean by self-belief. Because I think we often talk about self-esteem. And self-esteem can be very achievement-based. So I need to do this and then I will feel good about myself. But actually, if we shift self-belief to maybe self-compassion and come back to that kindness, that's often a far easier thing to do. Rather than saying I need to be kind of believing in myself all the time, actually, none of us do, do we? We all have self-doubts and that's okay. But if we shift it to say, I'm going to recognize that self-doubt and distress and feeling bad at times are normal and that I can still be kind to myself and recognize that that's a common human trait and be compassionate to myself in the middle of it, that's a lot stronger kind of belief system than having to base it on achievement because we can't always achieve. We actually need to be kind and compassionate to ourselves when we don't achieve and when we make mistakes because that's normal. So I think maybe switching it from self-belief to self-compassion is a really positive thing. But obviously we do need to kind of see ourselves, which I think is also part of self-compassion, as equal to other humans. 
Yeah. We're not worse than anybody else. We're not necessarily better than anybody else. We're just all human. We've got this common humanity. We all make mistakes. We all muck up at times. We all get things mm-hmm. wrong. None of us achieve and do our best all the time. It's not normal to get do things well all the time. We all make mistakes and we're all learning. And if we can start to see ourselves in that way rather than having to achieve or having to get things right, but we can start to believe that we are just as good as all other humans because we make mistakes, because we get things wrong, because we experience distress. I think that's a lot more powerful than basing it on what we do or don't do, if that makes sense. Do you have any suggestions on some really easy lifestyle tips that people can incorporate to feel better? I mean, I think you've just said two of them, getting outside, (laughs) moving your body. And both have been shown to have really positive impacts on your well-being and mental health. And and actually, because often when we're outside, we actually move our body anyway, because often we're moving through the environment, we're doing something. It doesn't have to be, you know, say, going to play a game of football or going to have a game of tennis or whatever. Just even getting outside, moving around, looking at the horizon, looking at the trees can be really beneficial for our well-being. So really interesting exercise. Lots of benefits for our well-being for lots of different reasons. It releases chemicals, which makes us feel good. It actually manages that stress response and helps kind of reduce it and releases chemicals which help release it, or sorry, reduce it. But also it helps our brain as well. It releases a kind of growth hormone, which helps our brain kind of thrive. So multiple mechanisms in which exercise are good for well-being. Yeah. Oh, I, I completely agree. And I think, um, I guess something, I guess reducing technology, if it's something that spikes anxiety, may be an, another another useful one. I mean, it's, it's really hard, I think, mentioning technology at the moment, isn't it? Because it, so much of our livelihoods can depend on it. Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, it is about, as you say, not seeing technology as kind of black and white, good or bad. It's about how we use it, how we consume it and noticing when it starts to impact negatively on us. Now, we're all becoming aware that social media is designed to capture your attention. It's driven by the amount of attention you pay to it and kind of getting you into it, sucking you into it and keeping you in it for as long as possible. And ironically, when we're not feeling good, we're more likely to do that because we have less control over attention. We're more likely to not notice we'd be drawn into it. So I think keeping an eye on how much you're using social media, but also technology generally, noticing how mm. you're feeling when you are doing it, it'll start to think, kind of check in if, with yourself if you can. How am I feeling? Do I want to keep on going with this or do I want to stop? Um, noticing if you're making maybe comparisons to other people. We know that social media is absolutely crucial for making comparisons. And what do we do? We make what's called upward comparisons. We compare ourselves to people we think are better than us. And what's that going to do? It's going to make us feel bad. So notice when you're making these comparisons, which are unrealistic, we're basing them on part of our picture compared to, sorry, sorry, part of somebody else's picture, a tiny little part compared to the whole of our picture. So starting to notice how it's making you feel And also the other thing social media does, it takes away from noticing things which are good from us. So noticing the environment, being with other people, really nice studies showing that if we have our mobile phone on at a table, when we're having a meal, we enjoy the meal less. So it distracts our attention, uses our brain space. It uses that space which we could be using to enjoy ourselves and notice the meal speak to our friend, really think about what's going on. So thinking about when you can actually switch off from it, when you don't want it to use your brain space. And that might be, I've just started 
basically switching all my apps off on my phone at eight o'clock at night. And because it's no longer automatic, I can still get onto them, but it takes a lot more effort to get onto them. So I go onto my phone and I just don't do it anymore because it creates what's called friction. There's more friction to get onto an app. And I think that's the best way is try and make them less automatic or actually switch them off or put it away because I think we overrate willpower. If your phone's sitting there getting drawn in is so easy, or if it's away from you, it's in a totally different room, you have to do a lot more to get onto your phone. You have to get up, go and find it, switch it on possibly. (laughs) So it's about reducing how automatic it is at the times you don't want to use it. A hundred percent. Some really good tips there. And then I think one more question before I take questions from our listeners for you, Emma. Um, How do you ask for help when it can seem, I think, terrifying to a lot of people or sometimes even impossible? Oh, I think that's a great question. And I think, you know, having sat on the other side when people come in um, for help, I have a huge admiration for people who take that step. It's not easy. Mm. And you know, speaking to a stranger, when you first see somebody and open up to a stranger is not easy. And we have to recognise it's not always easy. It can be really hard to ask for help. You might have asked for help in the past for your mental health and not received it, which is going to make it even more of a barrier. So it is difficult. But what I would say is that asking for help is a huge strength and being able to ask for help is a skill in itself. And I think also recognizing when you need help is really difficult because the thing about mental health, it's not just black and white. Oh, suddenly I've got a sore brain. We don't say that because it's not what happens. It comes in gradually and insidiously. So we might feel sad and then we get more sad and our behavior gradually changes, our emotions change, but there's not an exact point when our mental health becomes difficult and requires help. It's gradual, so mm. we don't notice it. So I think the other thing is understanding what are the signs that your mental health is suffering and you may need help? And thinking about what are the emotions I would be feeling or I have felt? How do my behaviours change? And you know, what would be different? Or what would be seen differently in myself at that point? And actually, sometimes other people are better at noticing that than yourself. So being open to maybe having that discussion with other people. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing is, you know, People will not be judging you when you ask for help. See, I've sat in clinic rooms with people and I have massive admiration for the fact they've come in and they're speaking to me about it. That's how people view you if you ask for your help. That's how your GP should view you, who's often your first port of call. That's how I view people when they ask for help. I have absolutely huge huge admiration for anybody who does it because it's not an easy thing to do. But also knowing that there are good evidence-based treatments out there for mental health and there's lots of options and it's important to know those options because it is treatable it is changeable so holding on to that hope that there are options out there now if you don't get a good reception because you should get a good reception you ask for help don't internalize that and think that's something to do with you that should not be happening people should be listening to your experience and letting you tell your story and providing you with the options if you don't get a good experience that's not about you there will be somebody there who will listen and be able to offer you the advice and the support you need because there's lots of really sympathetic, empathetic, compassionate professionals out there Mm. to support your mental health and well-being. 
And now Matthew Lewis Carter, a dear friend and just, I think, a wonderful advocate for men's health. Now, Matt talks here about how exercise should be a consistent part of our life. Of course, men's role models, where are they? Who should men be looking to as well? The importance of starting with the small things and looking at your whole lifestyle and how to address that little voice in your head. I I love this conversation. Here we go. I've had lots of female guests on talking about Mm. body confidence or talking about how they deal with it. Do you think that there is becoming a different type of role model for men to aspire to when it comes to fitness? Completely. And we know, first and foremost, that exercise reduces anxiety and depression. And it's a big part. But when when you're younger, I think you don't look at that part so much. And and I I truly believe that the amount of time now that we, we spend on our on our phones has has quite an impact on that but if I could go back to my myself when I was 16 17 years old I'd I, I would really I'd, I'd sit down and say that what you're doing now is what you're doing now isn't isn't the be all and end all you know it doesn't matter what you look like because you, you think other guys need to look like a certain way it's not the be all and end all I think focus on your mental health first and foremost and then when you enjoy something you'll you'll stick to it yeah and that's where people fall short and i think you know especially you see with all the time with diets and 100%. people falling off the bandwagon it's just is why they don't work it's just because yeah. they're not able to maintain it and no. keep that consistency and it's the same with exercise and training like i'm um, i go through periods where i love training with weights in the gym and then i've fallen out in love with it and then i'm there's certain days i'm like oh god legs are taking a bit of a beating today because a variety having mm. a different variety of different exercises surely that that's more beneficial than just doing the same thing day in yeah, day out exactly well what's really important as well is 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 yep increasing that variety but looking at life outside of what we call traditional fitness so not just your your gym classes and things like that as well because a lot of people where where i found with clients i used to work with they'd fall short as they'd go to their 6 37 a.m hit class they'd throw themselves up against the wall for an hour be absolutely exhausted sit on a bus to work they'd sit at work all day get on a bus back from work and then sit in front of the TV watching Netflix. And don't get me wrong, them going to that hit class is better than doing nothing. nothing. Yeah. But let's say if we can um, we can improve on that and we can perhaps, can we walk a little bit further to, to the bus stop? Can we walk when we come back in the evening as well? Do you believe now that more people are choosing gyms over classes or classes over gyms for their mental health and well-being mm. then over aesthetic goals Are, is that the shift we're seeing yeah well it's something I, I picked up on as well so what uh, some of the research we were looking at this year and the research is really exciting at the moment especially on uh, exercise and depression so uh, a study from the british journal of psychiatry actually looked at the effect of exercise and uh, an inter- internet-based uh, cognitive behavioral therapy approach um, so the study actually looked at i think it was 945 people and uh, they did it over 12 months and the the 945 people divided into three different areas so people were doing yoga based work aerobic work and then anaerobic work mm. um now people did fall off with the study as you do over a 12 month period but what was really interesting was that the response rate that after 12 months 84 percent depression severity had reduced and what they found is after three months the results were really, really high. So starting something straight away has a huge impact on your mental health. Um, and the research and everything they're putting into us now is still very new, but it's really, really exciting to yeah. think that 84% out of those nearly a 1,000 people had benefited from. So the cognitive behavioral therapy approach, so cognitive thinking, you know, what's going on in our mind mm. and behavior on, on how we act and what we do, and then combining that with exercise. 
because it's a huge impact and the global economic burden of non-communicable diseases and so mental illness is a big part of that as well mm-hmm. is is staggering you know the research yeah. we're doing in the papers into that it's it's trillions what it's cost costing um oh. what's costing work bases each year as well and it's staggering so people are really putting money uh, into researching the right areas at the moment but just start with the small things and if you're new to your exercise journey just just simply just start by signing up to a class or make yeah. yourself accountable with friends or on um one thing that i've been doing now i'm not able to get out as much is the youtube stuff mm, yeah it's amazing great free yeah. access to workouts i can just do in the lounge and mm-hmm. i can plonk a mat on the floor it's great isn't it yeah. yeah yeah i mean what are what are the physical benefits just to recap for everybody listening obviously we've discussed there's so much to do with mental health but mm-hmm. are there any kind of uh reported cases of exercising that yeah well of course i think when First of all, starting is always the hardest. And I always mm. say when people do start, people often ask, you know, how long is it before I see certain benefits mm. and things like that as well? And I always look at exercise and muscle memory, especially as a balloon. So the first time you blow something up, first time you blow up a balloon, it's really hard, it's really hard. You feel like your face is going to pop. But then yeah, because you get to that, that point yeah, where it just exactly. doesn't budge and then it suddenly exactly. budges. Yeah, there we go. There we go. And exercise is like that and how your body will change accordingly to it. But then, you know, if you stop and then you go back to exercise, because people always revisit exercise, they come into it and they go, actually, it's a little bit easier each time. And exercise does become a lot easier each time. But it's just you've got to be willing to take that first step and understand that it's not necessarily going to be hard but it's going to take you out of your your comfort zone a little bit and and it's going to challenge you. I think getting out of comfort zones is something that a lot of people will resonate with. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not looking your best, it's sweating your ass off and it's literally feeling, you know, just not comfortable. You're a bright red tomato. I mean, I've been there and yeah. (laughs) I think it's very important because we know that obviously cardiovascular benefits, you're probably all told exercise for health, but not exercise for your brain. That's it. That's a big part of it. And it's just one of the, as I mentioned before, one of the pillars yeah. as, as to improving your quality of life. Yeah. You know, you kind of how you discuss nutrition, exercise, our mental health, sleep's a big part of it as well. That's something that we often, often neglect. Yeah, mm. m- massively so. You know, when you're exercising regularly, um, you'll find that you sleep so much better. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Now, what is meant by mental health is an important discussion. So I've picked this selection here from Dr. Ritika Sukh-Birah. 
we had an incredible discussion surrounding really anxiety. So the tools to use to deal with anxiety, the symptoms of mental health, even going into sleep and stress management, how to set intentions. I think things that I know that even I myself should be doing more of, but it's very easy to forget. So it's a good refresher for everyone here. Enjoy. How else do you know if there's something going on, if you're not experiencing physical symptoms, um, palpitations, let's say, for example? Mm. Um, I would say most people tend to, they do tend to experience something physically, uh, but other things that you might be experiencing is just that um, we we tend to have a a broad range of emotions. And growing up, um, I know especially kind of the way I grew up, um, you know, it was kind of taught to you, be happy, be excited, be calm, Mm. be in love. But as soon as you feel sad or mad or scared, that's not good. And we need to get you back to happy. And so we call that distress intolerance, actually. And, And I think there's sometimes a bit of a mix between mental health and distress intolerance in the sense that if you're actually finding that you're normally quite on top of your emotions and you're really struggling with your emotions, um, and not that emotions are bad, because that's what I'm, I guess I'm trying to get at. It's it's not bad to feel sad. It's not bad to feel angry. It's not bad to feel scared. But it's about having a healthy relationship towards those feelings and understanding, you know, if, some, if that feeling's coming up for me, what is it that I need? What can make me feel better? What do I need to do? Who can I reach out to? Um, so I would say emotions are a big part of um, a telltale sign when you know that you're maybe suffering with mental health, notice how your sleep is doing, Mm. you know, are you sleeping more? Are you sleeping less? And diet, you know, that is a huge one. I always ask all my patients, you know, are you eating more? Are you eating less? Are you kind of, you know, maybe limiting yourself the whole day and then it gets to seven o'clock and you're having a big binge of lots of things? Or maybe it's instead of that one biscuit that makes you feel, you know, I'll have a biscuit with my cup of tea. Maybe it's the whole packet. So food is another really good way um, of starting to recognize what's what's my normal not what's the world's normal what's my normal and am I straying away from that just as people might focus on their physical health and their physical body every day whether that's going you know working out whether that be in a gym or going for a walk whatever they might be doing to look after themselves in a physical way that's the same thing you need to be doing with your mental health check in with your mental health every day ask yourself how you're doing don't wait to get to that crisis point be on top of it maintain good mental health sometimes you think nobody's having that conversation or people aren't interested um, until you start having that conversation yourself so with mental health the more you start talking about it with other people the more you might actually notice other people talking about it back to you and that you have really really good and interesting and helpful and supportive conversations around it some people would say that some people are more predisposed to experiencing mental health problems though i mean there's a stat that i was reading that the um the lqbt are like two or three times more likely to get them than that's a heterosexual individual what, what are your thoughts on those kind of figures yeah, I mean, you know, the research is out there, the facts and figures are out there. And I think that's really helpful as well. So that services are provided for um, populations um, 
that may be more predisposed to experiencing mental health problems. Um, But at the same time, I think, you know, anyone can be and it can be I think it's it's you know it's a mixture of it can be part of your genetics um it can be part of your environment um it can be part of your upbringing it can be part of your culture um so I I I would say yes there are people that are going to be predisposed to it you know if you've got a family history of it um if you come from specific ethnic minorities um if you've got um, you know issues with um, you know substance abuse but then the thing is as well with things like abuse we would class it as an addiction which then also does fall into the mental health category so it's 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 a bit of a murky one sometimes to think about in that way um, and it, I think it's also about understanding that it doesn't take away from people who might not be predisposed to it that they still can experience it. Sometimes you just, you need to talk and it's great to know that the reflective practice that you have to do is so important because how else, I'm a big believer in if you you haven't looked into things yourself, um, even as a health professional, we're within reason, of course, how on earth are you meant to help um, help other people? We have to do something. We have to get out, pull the duvet off of us, get out of the house, do something physical to lift that mood. And, you know, I always say it's not about big changes and it's also not about, about big mood shifts. So even if you only feel good for 2%, I'll take it. Because then yeah. the tomorrow, it's about building on that and doing 3%. And then the next day, 4%. So it's about those small tweaks and changes. Yeah, we've all been there when you just feel so rubbish, you don't even want to get out of bed in the morning. It's that type of um, that type of vicious cycle, you're mm-hmm. right. And then more often than not, when you force yourself to go and do something, you do feel better. I guess oh. um, the same thing goes with food and mood like that we have in the clinic. Yeah, absolutely. And just coming back to that point as well, what you said, it's the forcing yourself. And yes, forcing yourself can work. But then what we tend to get into is this more bullying capacity in our mm. in our mind. And, and I actually just wrote about this today, about intention. And actually, if we can do things for ourselves with intention, so saying to ourselves, I will go out for a walk today with intent because it's good for me, because I'm important and because I deserve it and I'm worthy of that, rather than you have to do that because it's good for you. And if you don't, you're going to feel like rubbish. Do you see how the narratives are so different? So it's about having that intent in a real compassionate, kind and positive way. Would you find sleep plays such an important role that it should be prioritized perhaps even more so than you would think when it comes to mental health absolutely you know the amount of people that I meet that don't even know the phrase sleep hygiene and what that Mm. means Um, and it's so you know you have to start there um you you have to look at how are you getting ready for bed is this a healthy habit that you've got going on or is it really unhealthy? Actually, are you setting yourself up for more anxiety? Are you actually going to set yourself up for a bad sleep? And then if you've had a really difficult day, if you've had an exhausting day, if we're not then setting ourselves up to have a good restful sleep, you know, the next day kind of is going to go out the window, isn't it, really? Yeah. Um, so uh, sleep is so important. And that's why I say, you know, I teach people good sleep hygiene, um, you know, invest in a 
good mattress, invest in good pillows. You spend every night there, so why would you not? You know, don't don't think that you don't deserve it. You really do. It comes back to that self-care. It comes back to making yourself a priority. Um, Try and not have the blue light, um, I would say, at least a couple of hours before bed if possible. And try and charge your phone somewhere else too so it's not so easy to just grab. Get an alarm clock, you know, go back to good old days and get an alarm clock to wake you up rather than the phone. So if, if you find that you're waking up in the night and you want to reach for it, actually you can't. Yeah. Um, things like no caffeine before six o'clock, I think is, or, or after six o'clock, sorry, I think is such an important one as well. And um, what about stress management? Um, would you say that's another key area that can help keep your mental health on track? Absolutely. I would say it's a huge area. And most people don't even know how to manage their stress. They kind of see it more as being a bit of a bulldozer and that they just have to get through it. Um, you know, it, it's almost like they're going into war and they're just, they've, <laughs> they've got to come out the other end somehow or another. And I think stress management can really give people the tools and techniques to actually find themselves in a way that they can equip themselves to be more resilient by being aware of the way they think when they feel under stressed, by accepting their emotions and by finding healthier ways of responding rather than feeling like they're reacting. And to conclude today's episode, the fabulous Wolf Marks. He's doing a postdoctoral at the moment, research fellow. He looks into everything from blueberries and antioxidants and the impact they have on our brain. I found this an incredible conversation. I've worked with him on another project before in the past and we looked at omega-3s, food and mood, neurodegenerative disease, uh, polyphenols. Basically, let's just get to it because it's just such a good conversation. Here you go. It's really about what are you eating over the long term, over the week, over the months, these sorts of things. And so um, what we are really looking at is the role of um, uh, the Mediterranean diet style of eating pattern and how that can improve our, our mental health. And indeed, we can see that there are uh, really dozens of observational studies which have shown in various populations in various um, countries uh, age groups um, from various different labs that have found the same results which is that a higher adherence to a mediterranean style diet uh, results uh, is sorry is associated don't want to <laughs> get any yeah. uh, researchers <laughs> offside that is associated with a reduced risk of of depressive symptoms and yeah. i think before i sort of proceed i'll just sort of explain uh what we mean by a mediterranean style diet yeah uh and that's uh, essentially um a minimally processed um whole foods diet which has a focus on i guess plant-based foods so it's not entirely vegetarian or, or vegan it, there is um uh you know some level of meat within the diet but it's largely focused on those whole food those whole uh so things like fruits, vegetables, but also beans, spices, um, and extra virgin olive oil. Are there any specific vitamins and minerals? Because this is the question that, you know, whenever a journalist approaches, you know, you want that yes. headline and they're like, what specific vitamin or mineral will boost our mood? What would you answer to that type of question? So I guess mm. we can say that um, in terms of vitamins and minerals, um, 
I think zinc is is one that has um, you know a number of of small uh, randomized controlled trials, but there's there's still some clinical evidence to show that uh, zinc um, supplementation um, uh, can be a, an intervention to reduce clinical depression. Um, you know, zinc is you know the highest. Um, concentration of zinc in the body is actually in our brains um, mm. and particularly in a part of our brain called the hippocampus, uh, which is a really important part of our brain for learning, memory, mood mm. control, uh, these sorts of things. It can also influence um, various uh, signaling things like uh, BDNF, which can, uh, well, I guess it's related to neurogenesis and the growth of our brain cells. Yeah. Um, you know, it's uh, all these sorts of things. Folate. Um, is another vitamin that seems to be um, associated with our mood. So folate is involved um, in this pathway called the one carbon cycle, which um, is involved in a whole host of things, but essentially it's also involved in the production of dopamine, uh, serotonin, you know, all these neurotransmitters that are related to our, our mental health. Um, the randomized controlled trials are also uh, over overall supportive um what's interesting is that it seems to be kind of form specific so if there's folic acid um the uh, uh, so if, if folate is provided as folic acid as, as a dietary supplement it seems to be not uh so effective but when it's delivered as um this uh form of folate called methylfolate which is this more bioactive form of folate um, it seems to be quite um, effective in, in certain populations. If you could explain again to our listeners the difference or the role that polyphenols take, you know, on cognition or fatigue. I think these yeah. words used interchangeably can really confuse people. The the polyphenols, I, I'm glad you, you mentioned this because this, <laughs> this is a, a particular passion area of mine. Yes. I think this is, this is a particularly fascinating area. Um, so essentially polyphenols are a group of bioactive compounds that are found in, uh, I guess, varying concentrations in really almost all foods. So what's interesting is that they uh, also have all sorts of bioactive properties that we think are related to our, our mental health. So they have anti-inflammatory properties that mm. um, is an area of, of quite um, large research. But what's um, now developing is that it has this really strong connection to our gut microbiome. And it's kind of this uh, interesting bi-directional process where the, uh, the I guess, the, comp the composition of your gut microbiome actually influences how polyphenols behave in your body. So, uh, essentially, the way that polyphenols act in, in your body might actually be different uh, to the way they act in my body yeah. simply because of the composition of our gut microbiome. Um, and this kind of goes the other way as well, where polyphenols act, can actually act as prebiotics and essentially increase the levels of specific bacteria within our guts. So they have this really interesting dynamic that's only just now being sort of understood and fleshed out. Um, but essentially, because of all these really interesting properties, uh, they're now being explored for, um, well, I guess all sorts of chronic diseases, but that in, in particular, uh, cognition and depression. So 
much of the research has focused on the role of, I guess, specific subclasses of polyphenols. And that's where the term flavonoids comes in. So mm. if you think of polyphenols as kind of this umbrella term, underneath uh, polyphenols, we have all sorts of subclasses. And one of the, the major classes is, is, is flavonoids. And these are um, a, a type of polyphenols that are found in things like spices, fruits like pomegranate, and berries, particularly uh, blueberries. Mm. Um, and uh, I guess on the depression side of things, uh, this has not been as well uh, researched, but it's something that's only in the last sort of five years that we're seeing more and more studies come out. And there's certainly a number of uh, really interesting observational studies where they've looked at really large cohorts of people and looked at the differing rates of polyphenol consumption. And they see that uh, for people that eat a high level of particular subclasses of polyphenols, that uh, results or is associated with a roughly 40% reduced risk of depression. Mm. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a whole host of, of developing studies. And I think it's a really interesting area that we're only just sort of teasing apart. Thank you to all of our amazing experts for coming on the podcast. If you're enjoying Food for Thought, you're going to love what's coming up next. So if you don't subscribe, make sure you do. It's the way that it just pops up on your phone. You get a notification and you'll be the first to hear it each Monday. It would also be amazing if you are a fan of Food for Thought that you could kindly leave us a review. These reviews do actually make a huge difference and they can help us, of course, reach more people and get the information out there to those that need it the most. If you're looking, of course, as well for more information about perhaps my latest book, Deliciously Healthy Pregnancy, uh, the Retrition Clinic for one-to-one nutrition advice and healthy recipes, then just head on over to retrition.com where everything's there in one place. We also have some fabulous evidence-based blogs that are updated weekly, and you can also subscribe to our newsletter, which comes out every Tuesday morning. Now, of course, Retrition Plus is now here, so for evidence-based supplements that you can actually trust, hooray! took me long enough but it's finally there you can go and check out retritionplus.com and of course please do follow me on all social channels at retrition and at retrition plus mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market